0: Eleven. The mind of Christ. Uh, This is a very important portion of Scripture in the Bible. Paul is writing to the Philippian church. Remember, Paul has dealt with several groups of people after his conversion. We were with him in Romans last week. Remember the Italians, nice-looking Italians. Why did you forget that already? I don't understand you people. But he has he ministers to several people in his course of life. And the Philippians are one of those people, one of those groups of people, that he does minister to. So go with me to chapter 2. We're going to read the first 11 verses, then we're going to break them down and and jump into some other ones as well. Philippians chapter 2, go with me please. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, listen to him, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves." not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. New American says attitude. King James says mind. It's the same. In your relationship, with, have the same mindset, mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The word servant should read in the King James or in the New American, bond servant. Okay, I'm just sh- sharing you what the different versions are, Okay. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, I love the word therefore, means something's coming. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. In verse 1, you may not have noticed it because I was just reading along, but in verse 1, there are four ifs. Four. There's the if of encouragement. There's the if if of love, there's the if of spiritual fellowship, which is through the Holy Spirit, and there's the if of affection or compassion. He's dealing with the Philippians, and he's talking to them about what they're doing in life. Are you encouraging? Are you loving? Do you have a spirit of fellowship? Is there affection? Is there compassion? What's going on, he's saying to them. And he's saying to them, because of this, I see this in you. He said, the result is, you're giving me joy. Oh. What he sees his people doing as a result of his ministry to them is bringing joy to them, Gary. He's seeing results of his work. Don't we all want to see that? No matter what our position is. If you've got a position of leadership, whatever that, I don't care. Don't you want to see something happening as a result of you doing your job? So he says, I like it. I see you encouraging. I see you loving one another. I see the spirit of fellowship. I see the affection. I see the compassion. And it's doing something for me. I'm your hardworking pastor, so to speak, Paul is saying. And it's worth my effort to do for you what I'm doing for you. Every pastor needs to have that attitude. I'm serious. I wish I could tell you that's true, because it isn't. And that's why we have certain problems in churches. But he's saying, I see what you're doing. I see what my love for you has accomplished. I see you're taking serious My ministry to you, you're doing something. You're not just listening and going home and watching TV and all that. He said, I see you doing things. I know you're doing it. In verse 2, he's following along the same structure. And he says, you've got the same mind. You've got the same love. You've got the same spirit. You've got the same purpose. And he says, that is displaying unity to the world. What's the purpose of love? And kindness and concern, isn't it not to reach out to the world, to touch people that are around you, to win souls, to minister? That's what Paul is seeing in the Philippian church. He goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, he said, uh, actions speak louder than words. That's Greco's translation. He said, I don't see any conceit in you. I see that you have high regard for one another. I see that you're looking out for others. That you see needs that other people don't see. Because you're running into people that I don't run into. And you're touching people that I will never touch. But he said, I can see it happening in your lives. I can see you functioning under the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he said, this is what I want to see. This, hear me, this is a picture of New Hope Church. Oh, somebody say amen. 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 Because this is a church of love. This is a church of compassion. This is a church where the little Italian pastor kept saying to you week after week after week that we need to be a church family. We need to love one another. We need to hold each other up. We need to stand behind each other. We need to trust each other. We need to be looking out for each other. Has that pastor preached that to you? And you've done it, and I see it, and I appreciate it. He's talking to the Philippians. I'm talking to you. This is a picture of who we are. Because we are family. Remember last week, we were in Romans chapter 12, and Paul was saying to the Romans, the good-looking Italians, he said, you're one body, but you're many members. And you have many gifts, talents, but you're putting it all together. And because you're putting it all together, something good is happening. People are being blessed people are finding Jesus Christ. The results, verse 5. The results has to do with attitude. Did you know that Jesus Christ has an attitude? You better find that out. He has an attitude. And the attitude shows in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same attitude that Jesus Christ has. Oh, not your attitude, but his attitude. Jesus has an attitude. Yeah. On purpose. And that attitude that he has is not to make himself better. His attitude is to make you better. I'm going to prove it to you. have this same mindset as Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says this, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God. He's equal with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know know that, don't you? You Before Adam and Eve were ever created, before God ever said, let there be light, there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm going to prove that to you in a moment. Being in the very nature of God, he didn't consider equality with God. He's equal with God. Something to be used for his own advantage. King James, New American Standard, says something to be used to be grasped or to hold on to tightly. Well, attitude. He exists in the form of God. Go to John chapter 1, would you please? Verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, because I'm going to prove to you some things from the Word. He's equal with God. That's what it said here. In the beginning, John, in the beginning was the Word. Stop. Jesus has always been known as the Word. Am I right? Am I throwing something new at you or am I telling you the truth? Jesus has always been known as the Word of God. So listen, in the beginning was the Word Jesus. I, I threw that in. And the Word Jesus was with God. And the word Jesus, oh. Oh. You think Paul knows about that when he's writing to the Philippians? I think so. He is saying to the Philippians, he's equal with God. He knows he's equal with God. He knows who God is, okay? He he understands the fellowship of the Trinity. He's got all of that down pat. He knows what that's all about. He exists in the form of God. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 is an interesting verse. Okay? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Jesus is talking. I'll give you rest. Really. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, let's talk about a yoke. I'm not talking about an egg. God's yoke. He, Jesus said, my yoke, you can learn. It's easy. It's light. But, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yoke. They used to use oxen in Jesus' day to plow the field. Am I right? Okay. And so they would put a yoke right over the neck of the oxen. But I got a problem. There are two holes in a yoke. It takes two to operate properly in the setting of what a yoke stands for. You don't see a yoke with two holes in one oxen plowing the field. I'm sorry. Don't paint that picture because it's not going to sell anywhere. God's yoke, he says, it requires two. And that yoke that is on you, you and Jesus, are going to move in the same direction. You can't... Anthony and I can can be in the yoke, and yeah, I know he's taller than me, and I don't like him for that. But if we're in the yoke, Anthony... We're going in the same direction. You can't pull me this way and I can't pull you that way because the guy behind us who's got the reins and the whip is telling us you're going straight forward. Two in one yoke going in the same, same direction and Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's why he's asking us to take the yoke. Not so that he can beat us with a whip, not so that we can just plow up a field, but he's saying, if you'll let me, If you'll let me, I'll bring you in a direction that you never knew you could ever go in. If you join me with this yoke, Anthony. Otherwise, you're on your own. He said, my yoke is easy. It's not a burden. God never puts a burden on you, folks. I'm sorry. It's not his play to put a burden on us. What he's doing is trying to get us to go with him in the same direction so that the outcome will bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, we're seeing an attitude in Jesus. I have a question. You know I have a lot of questions. Remember, we ask questions, we take pictures. So here's what my question is. What's our attitude like? We're figuring out the attitude that Jesus has. What's ours like? Are we interested in having the same kind of attitude that he has? Are we interested in in yoking up, so to speak, with the great one, the great I am, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Are we interested in grabbing hold of someone else and taking them with us, uh, Anthony? Or do we want to do this all by ourselves? My yoke, he said, is easy. It's It's not a heavy burden. When both of us are in the yoke and both of us are moving, by the Spirit of God. What is our attitude? Well, let's go back to verses 6 and 7 in Philippians. Jesus is saying that he knows he's in the very nature of God. He knows that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know that, Trinity, okay? And he doesn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own special advantage. Well, Verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing. Oh, I don't like that. Do you like that? Oh, come on. Can't we change that, Dean? We can change that word, can't we? I mean, if we get, get our heads together and have a little committee meeting, can we change that? made himself nothing by doing something. We can't. He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Well, What he's saying is that he doesn't have a death grip on his equality with God. He's not looking at God the Father and saying, "You know, I'm just as good as you are." I mean, come on, who do you think you are, Papa? You're Papa God, but I'm I'm the Son. I mean, he's not taking that attitude. He's emptying himself. He's humbling himself. He recognizes who he is. He recognizes his position, but he's not holding on to that. He's not saying, I've got to hang on to this. No, no. He empties himself. He lays aside all of his divine nature for the privilege of dying for you and me. He exchanged his privilege for sacrifice. He became a servant. He became a bond servant. And I need to throw that in because it isn't in that particular uh, uh, translation. A bond servant was not like a regular servant. A bond servant was some, something special to the, to the master, to the owner. If you were a regular servant in a household, you were down here. You had a job, just do the job, you don't get dinner, okay? Okay, Anthony, don't mess with me. No, no job, no dinner. But not a bond servant, Anthony. No, no. A bond servant was something special to the master. The bond servant was given trust. The bond servant would become part of what the master was trying to do for the entire scene of his life and other servants. And it says Jesus took on the form of a bond servant because God could trust him. Can God trust you? Can God trust me? He emptied himself. He laid aside all that was divine just so he could die for us. He became a bondservant knowing he would have love and respect and caring from the Father if he died for you, if he died for me. But see, God couldn't die for us. You can't have deity dying for humanity. You've got to have god man. A combination, dying for us. Man could not die. We found that in the book of Romans. You know, the book of Romans says in chapter 3, well, for for even a good man, maybe I'd die for Gary, because I think Gary's good. But not really. Paul says it in Romans. No, no. He said, but Jesus, while we were yet all sinners, died for us. So he's dealing with a position in his own life. He has to make a decision. God could not die for us, and God couldn't send God the Son in his position on the throne to die for us. His Son had to take on the form of a servant. You with me? Are you awake? What was his mission? Jesus' mission was to die on the cross for you, Die on the cross for me. That's attitude. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) There's a crazy ad on TV. It just came to me right now. There's a crazy ad on TV. There's a whole bunch of workers in an office. I mean, they're spread out all over the office. And the boss comes out with a piece of paper. He says, I've got a thing that I need to do, and everybody leaves the office except the one girl. I'll take care of it. How many have seen that ad? Okay, so I'm telling the truth? Okay. Jesus said, I'll do it. I won't run. My attitude is, Father, whatever you want, I'm here to do it for you. I will die for Gary, even though he doesn't deserve it. I'll die for Rudy, even though he deserves it less. I said, I got you on that one. You thought I was going to pick on you even more. None of us deserved what he did. And he said, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. He did it for you, sir, madam. He did it for me. What's our attitude? Can we die for man? No. I'm sorry, we can't do that. But can we die to sin? Ah, I have a note. To see miracles, you may have to give up status. You want me to repeat that, or you'd just rather I go on? Let me repeat it. To see miracles, you may have to give up status. You may have to humble yourself in the presence of God. And you may have to say to God, I'll do it. I'm going to leave my position that I have a right to. But I'm going to leave that position, and I'm going to go over here and take on the form of a bondservant, and I'll deal with the issues that I now have to deal with as a bondservant, which will lead me to the cross. But if I go to the cross, Anthony's going to be saved. Rudy's going to be saved. is going to be saved. Jason's going to be saved. His mission was to die. And for us to see some of the miracles we want to see in our lives... I have, I have miracles I want to see in my family's life. I pray all the time for my family. I have 26 babies that I pray for. They're all grown. They're still my babies. They belong to me. I still remember a meeting we had when your first daughter got married years ago. And we sat down in a little room, and the whole family was there. And Mom and I were there this several years ago. And I said, to, I just want you guys to know something. Whether you like it or not, I said to them, and they know that I love them, I said, I'm the patriarch of this family, and your mother's the matriarch. And as long as we are alive, we are going to pray for you, That God's will will be done in your life, whether you like it or not. Now, you can hear me say that, can't you? You figure that. I'm telling you, because that's who I am. That's who I am. And so I've been praying for 26 babies. Three sons who married three beautiful daughters, or three beautiful ladies who are now my daughters in law. That's six. Eight grandchildren. That's 14. All the girls are now married. They have, that's four husbands, that's 18. And six great-grandchildren, that's 24. Plus myself. And as long as I'm alive, the family will be in front of me as I talk to God. Well, he gave up everything that was rightly his to die for you and for me. What happens when we obey God? Go back to, uh, to uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, 10, and 11. We, we decide to obey God. Jesus decides to obey God. and What, what happens? Well, therefore, it says, that, I love the word therefore, because Jesus decided to obey, okay, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. What happens when we obey God? God exalts us. Not to the position that he exalted Jesus, but he exalted us, Dan. He says, I I can trust him now. Dan, I know who Dan is. God sees him every day. How can you miss the guy with the beard? God sees him every day. He says, I love him. I can bless him now because he submitted to me. He was willing. Now God says, I can bless you. And so when Jesus did his thing, gave up all that was rightfully his, okay? God exalted him and gave him a name above all other names. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It says he gave him a name above all other names. Jesus did not have the name Jesus yet. Did you know that? God the Father, God the Son did not have a name. God the Holy Spirit, are you with me? Well, we need to talk about a name. And where in the world did this name come from? Luke chapter 1, verse 30, 31, and 32 is where we suddenly find out something about a name. It's the angel Gabriel who goes to Mary and says, hey, honey, I need to talk to you. Don't you just hate it when someone says, hey, honey, I need to talk to you? And she said, yeah, what do you want, old man? And the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, you have found favor with God. Hmm. Okay, go on. You will conceive, no, I'm not going to conceive. So she goes through that little bit of argument, but you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him, what? Jesus. Next verse. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. It is Gabriel who says to Mary, God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, needs a name, Mary. Would you like to join this little group so we can give him a name? She says, yeah, I'll do it. Didn't Jesus say, yeah, I'll do it, I'll go to the cross? Mary says, yeah, I'll do it, I'll take abuse for what I'm about to do. Everybody's going to look at me getting pregnant and say, what have you been doing? Who do you think you are? But it is to this little virgin girl, a teenager, that Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, says, honey, we need you. What do you do when God comes to you and says, honey, we need you? You turn your back and go the other way? or you decide to follow the leading of the Lord. She gave him the name Jesus. From that moment on, from Gabriel talking to her, God the Son had a name. He never had a name until Mary named him at the word of Gabriel. She was obedient to the word of Gabriel, and she named him Jesus. Now, God says, I'm going to, at his name, man, <clears throat> everybody's going to be bowing at the son, Jesus. I got him a name now. And every, everybody's going to love, I mean, they're just going to love. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I, I'm glad I'm not singing. I lost my singing voice. But now, the second person of the Trinity has a name above every single name. I have a question, as I always do. How will God exalt us for our obedience? Do you know what the answer to that question is? I don't know. That's the honest truth. I don't know. But Heather, if we choose to obey, then he knows. I don't know, but he knows what to do in your life. Does that make any sense? Don't you want him knowing what to do for you? Rather than the preacher, oh, I know what I'm going to do for, oh, I'm going to, no, 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 no. He knows how he was going to exalt Jesus for what Jesus did because Jesus was obedient. And when you and I choose to be obedient to the Lord, God knows what we need. Not only to bless ourselves, but to bless others who come into our lives. Listen to me, good hope, new hope, listen to me. We need the, the blessings of the Lord in our lives as a church family. You know that. This church family is special. You know that. We chose. We chose to become a family. My wife and me and now my son and I, we chose to be a family with you. We chose to love you. You chose to love us. Don't tell me you don't love us because I know better. And don't you dare go out saying the pastor doesn't love us because you know better than do that. What happens when we obey? God does the work from the throne. He knows what we need to bless others. So, let's put others first. Let's die to sin. We're not going to die on a cross, but we're going to die to sin day by day. I've got to close. This is my last point, believe it or not. And it's a question. Don't I ask a lot of questions? Because that's what I do. I dig and dig and dig until I can't help but dig some more. So with this question, I do close. Here's the question. What if Jesus had said no? Have you ever thought about that? I hadn't until God stuck my nose into the scripture. What if Jesus had said no? Go back to verses 7 through 11 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Rather, we'd have to change the scripture. Rather, he decided not to make himself nothing. He decided not to take on the nature of a servant. He decided not to be made in human likeness. Verse 8. Jesus decided not to be found in the appearance of a man. Jesus decided not to humble himself. Jesus decided not to be obedient unto death. Jesus decided not to go on a cross. Jesus could no longer be exalted. Therefore, God could not exalt him to the highest place. God could not give him the name that is above every name. And nobody, nobody, Would ever bow their knee to the name of Jesus, whether it was in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. And no tongue would ever confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, and God would get no glory whatsoever. If Jesus had said no, Jason, we'd all be in trouble, there'd be no salvation sin would be rampant sin is rampant right now and you better believe it's all around us i don't care what news broadcast you watch, broadcast you watch i don't care what party you believe in i believe in the god party if jesus had said no think about your family think about your friends if jesus said to the father i'm sorry i'm not going to die for those people that new hope and overture, are you kidding me i'm not dying for them They don't deserve it. Well, that's true. We would be surrounded by sin every single moment of our life, and we would not be able to get away from it. But Jesus didn't say no. He said yes. Go to chapter 28 of Matthew, verses 18, 19, and 20. Jesus said yes. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And because he said yes, he is now ready to leave this earth and listen to what he says to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Experts. Therefore, because I've got the authority, I'm taking the authority, I died for you, I said yes to daddy, therefore, you go and you make disciples of all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I will always be with you, always, even to the end of the age. Matthew says, Jesus said, I've got the authority. God gave me the authority because I said, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I didn't get the authority by just looking nice. I didn't get the authority because somebody gave me a party. and said, you know, we're going to give you authority. No, no. He said, I died for this. I said yes to my father because he knew that Gary needed salvation. He knew that all of you needed salvation. He knew that I needed salvation. My son said yes. Therefore, I've given him all the authority. And now, because Jesus said yes, he is saying to you and he is saying to me, we go. We get out there. We get out in the community. We tell them about Jesus. We tell them that we can make disciples of them. We tell them that we will baptize them. We tell them we'll teach them. And we'll tell them the same that Jesus said to them. And we'll tell them Jesus is always with us. Oh, listen to me. I need to know that Jesus Christ is with me all the time. Someone say amen. Amen. Okay? You know, I hear all this. I see all this. Okay, And, and I, I'm waiting for the trumpet to sound. I'm waiting for Gabe to grab that thing and blow that thing because we're going to be gone. But until the trumpet sounds, I must be busy for God. Therefore, I've got to go out and teach and preach and share and tell people how good God is. I've got to have the mind of Christ You and I knew hope. We've got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to work for him. We've got to know that this joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has not yet been told. We've got to know that every tongue will confess, even the tongue of the devil. And that will be the devil's worst nightmare ever, ever ever. When he gets thrown into the lake of fire and has to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, all because Jesus said yes to Daddy, I'll die for those people that do hope. Where are we? What do we think? What do we need? I don't know what you need. You don't know what I need except when I tell you my back hurts and you're still praying for me. Thank you. But there are other things that I face every day as you face certain things every day and God knows what they are and he knows how to correct the problem. But somebody has to be willing to say, I'll do it. Somebody has to be willing to say, I'll die. Somebody has to be willing to say, yes, Father, Whatever you ask, I will do. Bow your heads with me. Father, you're so good to us. Oh, you're so good to us. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't hesitate to say yes. You were right there saying to your father, I'll do it. And yes, Jesus, God gave you a name above all names. And we worship the name of Jesus in this church. We're not ashamed of the name of Jesus. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, look at us this morning. Perhaps all of us knows you as Savior. That's wonderful. But if there's anyone here this morning and you've just never grabbed hold of Christ you've never really gone through that moment where you've surrendered everything to Jesus. I want to pray with you. You know I won't embarrass you. You know I don't do that. But if you want me to pray for you on that occasion, I just want you to raise your hand while every head is bowed. Just raise your hand. Pastor, yeah, I want you to pray with me. I really need to accept Christ this morning. I will pray with you at the close of the service. I'll be happy to do that. Is there anyone? Anyone at all? Okay, no hands. Thank you. Father, you know our hearts. You know how much we love you, and you know how much we need you. So I'm asking, Lord, some of us, some of us in this room need physical healing, serious physical healing. Trina's father in that hospital in St. George needs serious healing. And you went to the cross for that. By your stripes, we were healed. Those are your words, not ours. And we're taking you, Jesus, at your word. Let healing come into that, brother. Let healing come into this church, into our lives, into our bodies. Not just the physical healings that we need, but there's some real spiritual healings in this room that need to be taken care of. And you know what they are, Lord, because you've been a part of it. You've seen it. And I pray right now in Jesus' name for everyone who is struggling with a spiritual healing that Holy Spirit you'll fall upon them with your power, with your presence, with your love and deal with the issue as only you can do. Strengthen us God. Strengthen us. Until there's joy unspeakable in our lives. Strengthen us until our friends that surround us day by day see the glory of God in our lives and begin to ask us what is it that makes you so different and will respond with joy Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior bless these wonderful people strengthen them I pray and as we fellowship together and have a little bit of dessert let that Holy Spirit continue to flow for we ask it we bless you and we bless everyone in the name of Jesus Christ And everybody said amen. Amen. If I can pray with you, I'm going to stay right here for a few moments. Please enjoy what has been prepared for you. Please stay. Get to know if you're new. Please get to know us. We want to get to know you. I'm going to stay here for a few moments. If I need to pray with you, please come forward. Amen. God bless you.